you all for joining us on the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori and I'm joined by Justin and Manny. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you, Manny. Happy New Year to you, Justin. It's it's a new year. I see Justin really has been, you know, just grinning before we recorded. And Justin, you just seem very happy with what's going on with Arsenal. Um, Same to you, Manny. You seem very well. uh, How will will I put this? You seem to have a lot of, I, I can't. You know we're we're virtual and I can smell you still and you smell of of pounds. Um, so that's that's basically what I'm trying to say here. But uh, are you calling well, me fat? Pounds? Are you calling me yeah. fat? <laughs> well, no. Okay, all right. Pounds. I mean, is that a, is that a holiday a new, dinner? Yeah, I know. I know it's a new year and I haven't quite uh, met my resolution yet, Bori, to get you fit. Know but, I, uh, you know what I meant. You you money launderers. Just kidding. That's not an allegation. That that's just a joke. Um, want to start? You know, just want to give everyone what we're going to talk about today. Mainly, mainly, majorly EPL. Uh, just because there's just a lot going on uh, across the league. Uh, we're talking about the transfer uh, fees that that's been going around. Uh, the investigation with with Manchester City, the title race, which we thought was wrapped up, but then there was a twist last weekend, uh, and then some fi- some firings, and, and uh, honestly, uh, Everton seems to be, uh, you know, get, getting back, or maybe it's a fluke, I don't know, but I think there's only one place to start. Uh, actually, you know what, Justin, I'll give I'll give the mic to you. Where do you think we should start? There's just a lot. Do you want to talk about Arsenal now, or do you want to leave that, save that to later? You want to save the best for the last? Um, do, do you want to talk about the state of the EPL title race? And then we can talk about transfers after that. Yeah, why don't we do that? Um, and I think the best way to do that is to pull up the table here. Um, and uh, the reason why I'm pulling up the table is because I feel like from the third place downwards, it's more to more competitive. So I don't know who's who's uh, yeah. who, who's who's there anymore. But uh, I mean, I, maybe let's let's not talk about the top two, you know, because that's just too easy. But um, I think. For me, one surprise is is still Newcastle still hanging on, uh, or maybe that's not a surprise. Um, but uh, you know they've only wait for this. They've only lost one game this season, which is actually which is actually very crazy. Um, and 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 but they, then they've drawn ten games. But uh, that said, like um, I, I'm curious, like do, do do either of you watch Newcastle closely? Um, and and especially for you, Manny. Uh, sorry, uh, Justin. What the hell is going on with Isak? Well, he just came back from injury. He had a lengthy spell away, and he just came back after the World Cup. So I think he's just not all the way up to speed. Uh, their defense has been phenomenal. They're, they have, like, a really, really, like, solid defense. And they did not, you know, despite the takeover that they had, obviously, um, with the uh, takeover by the group from Saudi Arabia, Everyone thought that they would be, you know, uh, spending like perhaps a different club that we'll be talking about later who have some financial irregularities. Um, but instead, they've been building – Manny's shaking his head. I'm not even talking about your club, Manny, but I think if you if you, if you you recognize that as a dig against Guilty Chelsea, I think that says a lot. Guilty conscience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guilty conscience. Um, but um, I'm sorry, not to distract. Newcastle has built a lot with not spending extravagantly as of yet. So I think they're putting the building blocks in place for a future uh, solid, like, you know, consistent top four bid. 
in this, you know, this season and then the ones that follow, but it's definitely being driven by their defense, uh, not by their offense as of right now. And they've only, uh, and from their last five matches, they've actually only pulled seven points from their last five because they've drawn four times and uh, only won the ones they scored right. maybe like one one goal a game on average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's amazing. That, uh, you know, thanks for for that recap. Um, I I think the the other two clubs, even really three cl- three clubs, which is just right below uh, Tottenham, uh, Brighton, Brentford, Fulham. Those three clubs have actually been doing very well this season. Uh, we think about Brighton, who had uh, Trossard leave. Um, I feel like a few other players left also even in January. Well, also obviously the coach uh, uh, left to Chelsea. Um, we have Brentford and Fulham uh, really doing well. Uh, you know, I've seen, I've watched Fulham a few times actually recently, and, and William, that seems like the same William. I mean, uh, Manny, I don't know if you've seen the, the latest William play. Uh, it still feels like the same William that we knew from you know, back in the day with Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's 32 years old. Um, and Just he, 32? He yeah, seems, yeah. I, I, get, look, I mean, he looks young, but it seems, seems like he's been around for, <laughs> for 25 well, years. He, he has been around for a long time. I mean, uh, he was with us seven years at Chelsea. Um, and then he uh, retired... Uh, Went to Arsenal, retired, and then uh, came back, um, you know, because uh, I guess he just loves London so much. And, um, you know, credit to to, to him, um, Fulham as well. That was a great signing for them, um, especially with uh, the way that they've been playing under Marcus Silva. Because you, you guys forget that their coach also has a big impact on this. This was the same guy who got fired from Watford, one of the ones that got fired from Watford in that merry-go-round of Watford coaches last season, right? So, um, you know, the fact that they're doing, uh, the fact that they are where they are, um, and all those teams that you just mentioned um, is, is really, I think, more a testament of how bad the... EPL quality is around as far as where we've seen the competitive teams in the past, because all of those teams that you just mentioned, the Newcastles, the Fulhams, uh, the uh, Brightons, uh, the uh, Brentfords, those teams are all uh, overperformed expectations. Um, and I think that that's not sustainable in the second half of the season. And I say that because of squad depth. Because right. one thing that those those teams have in common is they don't have depth. Um, even Newcastle, for example, they don't. Like, you know, like uh, like Justin was saying, um, one injury to that defensive line. You know, you take a, a Trippier out. You take a, a Botman. Um, you know, what they've been solid with. Uh, you're seeing it now with the way Newcastle's uh, kind of dropped off a little bit in uh, their form. They've been struggling since uh, Bruno Guimarães got hurt. Um, and they have, uh, you know, there are obviously other competitions. They're in the final uh, as well in the cup final. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I think that's all going to start to play a, a big role um, down the stretch. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. Um, I think before before we move on to the obvious the obvious top top four, top six, or the usual top four, top six uh, sides, uh, just want to just really talk about quickly um, the towards the end of the table. Uh, of course, you you know we had the news. Uh, I think it was yesterday that was broken that uh, Jesse Marsh was uh, sacked, which um, which is. Which is an interesting. I mean, it's fine. It's always interesting to see these kind of changes, especially when we saw that um, McKinney had just joined what the week before, or so, um, and then he got fired, and so it's like a, a weird situation. I feel like for him, um, although it's a loan, so you know, there's no. I don't know if there's an obligation to buy, uh, but since it's a Premier League club, I wouldn't be surprised given Juve's, uh, you know, financial difficulties right now. But that said. Um, I've I've always found it very interesting when, you know, a a coach clearly are bringing players because you know that's the type of player they want to play with, and now that he's sacked, then you know what's what's next, right? What's next for those players? But uh, it'll be interesting to see what what's there. But you know, um, I know you know Justin, you're uh, you're a huge fan of uh, of American football, uh, soccer. Um, so I'm curious to to understand your point of view here and. Uh, if that this means anything, maybe a potential of Justin Marsh being the new um, coach of the U.S. Mas- men national team. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I'd be like, be, no, no, I'm not joking. Like even before he got fired, I was like, Jesse March it would make a lot of sense for him to take over before the World Cup in the United States, the 2026 Cup. Um, of course, I thought he was going to get a couple of years at Leeds under his belt, and I actually think his firing this past week is a little strange. Um, they've How, been dropping also? points. Well, they've been dropping points, but they're like, you know, they're still above the bottom three. Uh, the bottom of the table is like, like very, very crowded, right? There's any one of right. at this point like six or seven teams, maybe even eight teams, could potentially mm-hmm. face the drop this season as we get later into it. Um, so Leeds is just one of those teams. They've been having a run of bad results as of late, but they haven't like they haven't looked terrible as far as I could tell. Well, they haven't even won the they games did... in the last five games. So right, sure. Um, I mean, Newcastle's only won one of their last five games. If you want, like, depending on you know, right? So it's like it's, it's about oh, a matter of perspective. Right? So how they actually look. okay? Right, right, sure, sure. But it's how they look on the field, also, right? Um, and I, I, I don't know, I guess it's just bizarre. Like you mentioned, like the Weston McKenney, like it's, it, I always think it's bizarre to fire a coach toward in like the last week of, or shortly thereafter from the, uh, the January window closing. Right. Yeah. And I, I felt the same way about Everton, what Everton did. Right. And I mean, it, although that worked out for them in their first match, um, it's very strange to fire a coach, like to give a coach, like some, some, some say in who's coming in and who's going out and then to pull the rug out and say like, okay, well now, now we're going to bring in somebody else to handle all these players and to, to rejigger the strategy after the window's already closed. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, yes, to answer your question, I think Marsh is very likely to wind up as the U S uh, men's national team manager. Okay. okay. And, and Manny, what do you think about Everton with Chandash being in the, in the helm now? Um, you know, I think, Justin alluded to it. They looked um, solid against Arsenal. Uh, maybe it's the new manager bounce. We don't know. But I felt that Sean Dash did his homework. Um, and f- 
honestly, like I think somebody was I was watching a a, a video of how you know people started to analyze. Okay, how did Shandai shut Arsenal down? That kind of thing. Um, but but curious to to hear your point of view uh, of of Everton's bounce and how do you think? Because right now they're 18th and and uh, you know it it looks tight, but it's possible that they could get you know bounced to the championship. Yeah, so I just want to, you know, circle back and one last thing about Jesse Marsh and Leeds is let this be a lesson to all coaches that you can only sign a certain amount of U.S. men's national team players before you get your marching orders, all right? <laughs> okay. I'm going to see my way out now. Did you Did you just... Now, okay. Yeah. I can't believe you said that. I think I have to cut that part so out. So with, <laughs> with that being said, with that being said, it... Uh, would just said it, it 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 is strange but um i think like leeds after being gone for so long out of the premier league they had to i mean if they fired bielsa after you know after him getting them back to the top there was no way that they weren't gonna fire jesse marsh you know but it is strange that they would end up signing weston mckinney for whatever reason and then just fire him like two days later um having said that though thank goodness because Triple G, there will be no more Triple G, all right? We're finally going to get um, uh, a U.S. men's uh, coach that actually knows what he's doing, so I'm excited for that. Now, to Everton, I disagree with the assessment that that um, that uh, that you guys just made as far as, like, making the wrong decision on, on uh, Frank Lampard. I think from the get-go, they shouldn't even have fired him. They shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Like the only person that could have came in to turn that ship around. Um, actually, to be honest, let's be honest. There's no, there's no coach in the world that can turn around the crappy organization and dumpster fire that is Everton Football Club. Think about the amount of quality coaches that have gone through there. You're talking about Rafa Benitez. You're talking about Roberto Di Martin, uh, Roberto Martinez, which uh, quality in the sense of like let's you know who's around you're talking about Ancelotti for goodness sake come on like look at where those coaches are and what they've accomplished um with other squads and other teams and other organizations that are well run the problem here I don't think is it, it's not the players it's it's the organization a whole as a whole and they need to like get rid of management and they need to like start over from a new um now, next best thing is Mr. Avoid Relegation himself, right? Like, you're going to go with Sean Dyche. And um, the new manager bounce is a real thing, which is why Chelsea has done it so much and has been successful in the past few seasons with that. And I honestly think that Arsenal should have won that game. I'm surprised that they came out um, as stale as they did because Anyone that knows Premier League football and knows Sean Dyche football knows that he only sets up one way. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. It doesn't matter where they're playing. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's a final or a relegation game, whatever it is, he always sets up the same exact way, regardless of what players are available um, on his squad. And that's a 4-4-2. That's the Sean Dyche, man. Come on. They should have like been ready for that. It looks like a, a 4-6 to me. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you go, you go up a goal. That's, of course, you're not gonna keep playing four four two. You're gonna drop I mean, back and play 
nine one. <laughs> I mean, I I don't I think it was basically just uh, Calvert Lewin leading the line. I don't think he did. I think maybe Arsenal anticipated a four four two. I don't know if it was exactly the same. I think there were well, some differences. And also we have to remember with with Deitch, like right, he's the master. He, I think he's actually is the perfect appointment for all the reasons you said, Manny. Like he. He knows how to do the most with the least, right? From his time with Burnley, and I think a four-four-two made sense with what he had at his disposal in Burnley. Everton is like, what, uh, half a step? Do we want to say one full step up from Burnley? I think you know, with the with the talent on, like you know, with the names on I mean, the sheet. Everton's talent is 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 on on the paper. It looks so good. So it's a couple, a few steps it's up always, from Burnley. So it's always been we'll see. good, though. Right, but I'd be curious to see whether Deitch, he does exactly this. I don't think he's going to do exactly the same thing as he did with Burnley. Um, I think there were some differences. Although, that being said, of course, it was two former uh, Burnley players who connected on a corner kick, of all things, to score the one goal. And I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say you forget that they had a few of their players as well. Yeah. Well, uh that midfield looked good though, uh, especially even Dukuri f- felt like he he woke up on oh, the Oh Nana, um, oh Nana, and, man. and of course Nana. Um, oh, no, but let's upbeat. let's really talk about why we're here. Uh, let's be honest, it's it's really with the the usual top six. We're talking about the Arsenal, the City, uh, the Manchester teams, Tottenham, uh, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Um, you know, I I think the the one way one one way to start is just talk about Liverpool. Uh, I think. I think we were sort of talking about this a little bit before we joined the call. It's very clear that Liverpool, first of all, I don't think they will qualify for Champions League. It, it looks like they need something needs to be changed, whether that means a coach or maybe uh, I think Manu had mentioned this uh, before we joined, uh, which uh, which is you know maybe they sell the club uh, or, or something. Uh, but it's clear that um, the injuries have gone to them. It's clear that. They're, they've lost the ideas, even though they, they backed up uh, this season with Gakpo and then also Darwin Nunez. Uh, it, it's it's clear that they're not making as much impact as they would love. Of course, we have to give Gakpo some, some more time. But still, um, it, you know, I don't want to blame this on, on Mane. Uh, I don't think it's Mane's, uh, you know, I don't think Mane not being there was the cause. But we could also maybe make an argument that maybe it's a slight cause of this, but it just seems like they've lost the plot. Uh, I think they lost what three zero to to Brighton, uh, and we're talking about a uh, a Brighton that is, was it Brighton that they lost to this last no, year? it's even it's way worse than Brighton. Oh, they lost three zero to Wolves, and it could have been five or six. Gosh, yeah. gosh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, any, any word on on Liverpool? Like, I, I think there's nothing else to say. I, I'm assuming like it's just you know, Klopp. Klopp looks depressed, man. I don't know if you saw like some of these interviews as the window is closing and reporters were asking him, "Hey, are there any more incomings?" And he's like, "No, no." I mean, they got to give me money. They got got sure, but like, I mean, they didn't, I'm sorry, they didn't even spend that much on him. But yeah, um, I'm sorry, but you can't. He can't really be complaining because he also signed players. They have signed players. It just he keeps saying, you know, we need to spend. We're not spending, but they have signed players. I mean, they sound. Thiago Alcantara, you know, they signed Darwin Nunez, they signed Cody Gakpo. Uh, it's not like they're it's not like they're Everton, yes. right? And Everton didn't spend anything in January, right? You know, like they, they they do. I think like where they screwed up was and and I know you said you don't want to put it on Mane, but I don't think they valued Mane for what his 
he brought to the table for how, what, how much he did for yeah. that team. Um, and everyone thought, you know, Darwin Nunez was, I mean, I, I'll be the first one, uh, you know, egg on my face. I said, I thought Nunez was going to come into this squad and, um, you know, fill right in, like, you know, jump right in, hit the ground running in. It's been anything but. Um, the same thing with Cody Gakpo. I mean, we all were so high on him. And during the World Cup, we all, I think we, he was, he you never our, buy, uh, you never he buy made our team. From the World Cup. Everyone no, knows well, that. No, no, that's not true because there's a few players in the past that have had really good World Cups and then they've, they've gone on and they've had, you know, I think about like Courtois, for example, had an amazing World Cup. And then he had, a, you know, he got bought and he, he had an amazing campaign and so on. Um, but we, Gapo made our team of the tournament. And man, has he looked so awful. Like, I mean, he, he I didn't think he was going to look that bad, as bad as he, he has looked. Like, have you, I mean, did you guys, like, did you guys see, like, his games? Like, and, and I understand, like, everyone's, like, always saying, like, Liverpool, like, has a lot of injuries. Yes, Liverpool, Chelsea. Um, here's a fact. Liverpool, Chelsea played the most games last season than any other team. Like they played um, something like almost like 70 games last season, right? Then you add that to the condensed schedule and all that stuff. Is it a coincidence that those two squads are injury, you know, ravaged by injuries now? No. Well, um, the benefit, at least for, the, at least for the Liverpool. benefit that Chelsea has is that they got bought out by a brand new owner or ownership group with zero debt and they can afford to go in into the market and, you know, pay these exorbitant prices. Right. But you could also say that Liverpool in a, in a way also has an advantage because they have continuity and Klopp and Klopp knows, you know, what he's building and so on and so forth. Whereas Chelsea don't have that, you know, so they have like, would you rather, so here's a question for you guys. Would you rather have the coach or would you rather have the players? I would rather have a coach that knows how to use any player. Right. Anyways, um, hold on, Justin. Oh, yes. That's a tough. That's a tough question. That's a good question. I mean, in the current market, I, 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 my gut is to go with Bori, but within the current market, if you, if you have a great coach and he just needs a few pieces, it's getting very, very difficult to secure those pieces at this point in time with the, with how the market is. And uh, if you can't pay like one exorbitant fee, let alone two or three, then like it takes, that's three transfer windows that's required to, to fill those holes in your squad. Right. So you're so, saying you would and, take the players? Because that's really, I think I'd still, I'd still take the coach, teams. right? I think that's I'd still take, I think I'd still take the manager. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, I would take the, I would take the manager if the manager was Mikel Arteta. Let's say that, okay. and then I just trust the process. And then after, then you give them those three transfer windows. We're not even talking about Arsenal yet. Come on. We're, I know we're not even there yet. All right, Anyways, um, go on, boy. No, no, it's okay. No, I was just joking. Of course, I, I understand your point of view, uh, Justin, with Arteta. Um, we'll come back to Chelsea. Um, but Tottenham, I don't think there's much to say. I. The only thing I'll mention is we're playing Tottenham next week, Milan, 
and I'm scared uh, because we're not doing so hot and, and they look good against Manchester City last last weekend. Um, so United, uh, I think, you know, obviously we had the story of, of Ronaldo. Um, they seem like a very, uh, you know, amazing team. I can't believe they, they, they were able to withstand all the drama around, you know, and the media circus. Uh, that didn't seem to affect them. Marcus Rashford is is shining. Um, you know, I don't see them going past the position they're in. I think they're solid third for the season. Uh, I don't think there's anything else to add apart from that. But um, let, let's you know, let's talk about City really, uh, which is for me the well, actually the, this is hard for me because they, we have to talk Chelsea, City, and Arsenal. But let's talk about Arsenal first because I think the scandals are going to take us a, a longer route. Let's talk about Arsenal. Arsenal lost their second game of the season last week uh, against Everton. So we can say manager bounce. I would like to hear from you, Justin, how you felt before that game. Uh, so how do you felt throughout the season? Were you on a high? You know, because that's sort of the sentiment I'm getting from all the Arsenal fans around the world. But now, how are you feeling? What is your gut telling you after that loss? Do you see any vulnerabilities that could be that is now has now become a concern for you, given that you're still in the tight? Obviously, you're potentially eight points ahead of of, of City. Um, I was so for context, the weekend before the one nil loss to Everton. Arsenal also lost 1-0 to Man City in the FA Cup, right? Playing largely their B team um, against a a slightly stronger City side. And Arsenal looked good. So Arsenal looked good for stretches. You can make the argument that Arsenal could have won either one of these games, but they didn't, right? They didn't didn't score a goal either. So I am a little bit concerned about that. And I, I think for Arsenal historically, their kryptonite has been being in first place and being seen as the favorites for an extended period of time. Arsenal have in the past been flying high in first or second place for much of the season. And then when you hit the second, the the home stretch starting to fall off, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's the pressure. Um, This squad is very young. And I think Arteta, you know, they brought in some Man City players, obviously to try and solve for that, trying like, instill some steel, some like, you know, hey, hey, everyone, like, you know, like, it's possible to win this. Like, you know, we just have to think about each game, each match, week to week, and just keep our eye on the ball. Um, can I, so can I'm I a little bit nervous. Can I add one more thing he said? Arteta, he sure. said he loves them. And that's what he said on the in, in the interview, the post-match conference. He said, hey, I love you. Uh, he told, he, they asked him, what do you tell your players? I told him I love them. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, what's yeah. going on here? No, he's, he's, he's a very, he keeps his heart on his sleeve. If anybody's watched, if you watch the, whatever, the Amazon documentary, he, you know, sometimes it's a lot of, it may sound like a lot of platitudes, but he's he's very heartfelt when he, when he speaks uh, in that way. So I don't know. I mean, the good thing to be said is it's not just Arsenal who feel like they've hit some speed bumps or like they're kind of lagging as we hit the second the second half of the season. Um, obviously, Man City losing to Tottenham made me feel a lot better as an Arsenal fan. But Man City have, for their, for a, a little while now, over a month, I'd say, like they look a little sluggish or a little off the ball. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about that team. Uh, and then obviously, as we said, like Newcastle also 
who were in third position. Like Newcastle is also like they're really struggling offensively at this point. So I think all the top teams are kind of hitting um, some potholes here, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're starting to it's, – it's not all smooth sailing for any of these top teams, especially with these mid-table, um, these dangerous sides in the mid-table. Yep. I'm going to ask you what your gut feeling about the end of the season is, but I'm going to first go to Manny uh, and and have him maybe bring down your soul. Because Manny, you did tell me something right before we recorded um, and before Justin joined, so I don't think he's actually heard this. But can you tell me what you were saying about Arsenal and what you think is going to happen with Arsenal? And 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 then also, I guess I'll pose a question of of the last two games that Arsenal has played. Do you have sort of that doubt? of them actually sealing the deal when it comes to uh, winning a trophy this season? Yeah. So, um, first off, uh, I guess just kudos to Arsenal for, um, you know, being in first for this long. But That uh, seemed like a, realist- a, fake, a fake kudos. <laughs> no, no. it's um, Arsenal is one of those teams that has overperformed expectations. And you can't have, tell me, even a true Arsenal fan will, will admit that. Just to be honest, there was no way that you thought that Arsenal was going to be first in the Premier League. No, when we did our predictions, time. yeah, uh, no, when we did yeah. our predictions, I, I had them finishing fourth. I had them being yeah. in the champion, qualified for Champions League, but no, not, not my wildest dreams that I think they were going to actually, you know, be in this position. Now, now having said that, um, you know, it's it's interesting to see how Arsenal have have fared with injuries because that's the one constant thing that we've all been talking about injuries um, and the consistency of having the same players and the same team go out there. And we've seen that the top teams in this moment are the ones that have not been affected by injuries as much. And you're talking about Arsenal, you're talking about City, you're talking about Manchester United and Newcastle until recently. Now, you said Manchester United, but they actually just have um, – they've lost Christian Eriksen for a few months, apparently. He he got injured. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of uh, reshuffle that midfield because that midfield has been the one of the pain points for that team. And then Manchester City also uh, having injuries on that back line and having to make shift um and move around players from that back line and then that midfield so i see arsenal hasn't lost anybody except for gabriel jesus correct me if i'm wrong um and i believe uh tyranny or zinchenko was out at a, at a, at a moment in time right but like apart yeah, from their core squad up. that starts you know saka martinelli um odegaard uh who else um, uh, the back line, uh, Ramsdale, they've all been healthy, right? So they've stayed healthy. And I think, like, that's the most important thing. But here comes the second stretch of the season, and here comes the European competitions and the other domestic competitions. And it'll be interesting to see how they start rotating these players around. And the question now is, does Arsenal truly have the depth I mean, yes, they purchased players in January, but they weren't their option A, B, C, or D. They were up to like options E and F, right? We'll see how those. I uh, don't call them play. out like that. Jesus. I mean, I'm just telling you know because 
Chelsea signed options A, B, C, D. So I know and any Arsenal player can say yes, like it's true, or any Arsenal fan can agree with that. Like these weren't their first choice signings, but they had to sign them, right? So they did get some depth, right? I mean, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned Jorginho here. Well, I mean, did you see the game he played, you know, the last game? I'm going to tell you guys what I said to Arsenal fans. Arsenal signed William. And before that, when Arsenal signed David Luiz. And before that, whoever the Chelsea player was before that. And the, the reason why, I mean, I'm surprised that Arsenal even bought Jorginho. But they had no choice. There was nobody else in the market, right? Partey had just gotten injured. They didn't know how serious injury was. There was like one or two days in the transfer window. They had to buy somebody. But um, if you're expecting the same level of output from uh, 31-year-old Jorginho um, on those wages, it's going to be another William situation. And that's coming from a Chelsea fan. No, and they, they, that's not the expectation. It is different. It's different, right? Like, you know, they they don't – the expectation is not for Jorginho to start. He's going to be backup. And really he what he is, and I think this is a positive way to think about it, is Arsenal is trying to replace not Partey but Mohamed Elneny with Jorginho. And this is kind of an upgrade in that. It, you could see as an upgrade in, in certain part because Elneny was the first off the bench option in rotation option, and he's the one who suffered a season-ending injury. So they just needed someone to fill that gap in the squad. Um, and Jorginho can come in and do can do a job in in a rotational aspect. Um, can so can Leandro. Ch- Ch- Excuse me, Manny. This is the player last year you were trying to convince Bori and I that he was going to win uh, the Blanda Or. Okay, he was going to be the best, the best all, player in the world. First of all, that was three years ago. Not, no, not, no, no, last year. Yeah, that this was like, maybe that was like, a, this is this is a year and a half max ago. So the, the, I have I, okay. When uh, I'll meet you right, in the middle. I'll meet you in the middle. Two years ago. Uh, I don't know. Hey, anyway, listen, football and football. He, a year to sign someone is who was the eternity. someone sign someone who was arguably, according to Manny, the best player in the world. Two years after he was the best player in the world is not is it's not a terrible bit of business in the last week. I do agree. He wasn't our first or he was not our first choice uh, at least. Or second. But, the Arsenal, Arsenal, maybe not their second. I don't know, but like they, they are, they're leaving room for the for the summer window to do the majority of their business. They, they, they want to get out of the, the history of making like, panic commitments, over commitments to players they don't really want that badly. So I think the Jorginho well, is you like guys, the stopgap. You guys better hope that you guys end up winning the league because I already can see that Jorginho is going to be a scapegoat if you don't. Of course, um, you will. And he was, he's going to miss penalties? And actually, question about He's that. not he's taking the penalties. penalties. No, he, he won't take the penalties. penalties. There's, no way. there's no way. Oh, that, sorry, Saka. No, there's, okay. there's no way yeah. they're letting him take penalties at, at uh, Arsenal. No. Come on, I want to see the hop, hop, skip, whatever it's called. All right, Hops. cool. Well, if Saka's not on the field, then you never know. Maybe maybe he'd be next up. I don't know. Yeah, anyways, uh, l- let's move on. I, I, you know, we've talked about uh, Arsenal a lot, and I think... Um, we just need to move on to the scandals because that's honestly the crux of the show. Um, I think we'll let's start with Man City. Um, they've not been doing so hot. You, you already said that, uh, both of you, actually. Um, and I have a theory. Uh, the Since the World Cup, 
um, a lot of the good players that were performing well before the World Cup are not performing. Uh, we have Theo Hernandez, we have Giroud, we have uh, De Bruyne. They seem like. Are you gonna name? Like, are you gonna name all the AC Milan players? No, De Bruyne. I just, I just named De Bruyne. I'm just saying, you know, like. Or anyways, players that you feel should be at AC Milan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we we've seen we've seen a different United. But I think that's not even what we're uh, sorry um a different Manchester City but that's not what we're actually here to talk about we're, we're going to talk about the doozy that dropped what a few days ago or so um where the the Premier League charged City with uh you know financial breaching um and I think honestly uh Manny you can you just give us a quick summary I think you you have a full picture of, of what's what's going on here but I mean it sounds like, sounds like just a bunch of shady business but this is to be clear this is only the english uh fa charging not uefa charging correct that's that is correct um this is uh one of the many i guess I, i'm not familiar with all 100 breaches apparently that they've broken or you know infractions because allegedly there's over a hundred or so infractions that have occurred uh, since, you know, obviously they were taken over um, a few years ago. Well, well, but just to, in the essence, just to just to, yeah. just to say exactly what what I mean, I think the main thing that say they were charged with was just they didn't provide uh, accurate information that gave, you know, true right. and fair view of the club's financial position. So it just sounds like they, they lied. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, cooking the books. That's essentially what it is, right? Like in layman's terms, they've been cooking the books. Um, a few years ago, they were actually, I believe it was UEFA who came after them for FFP. Um, and they got a slap on the wrist, literally. And this was after they had spent um, $500 million on a left on left backs alone. Uh, you know, um, they got hit with a fine that was something really egregious like i mean it was like 30 million euros or pounds which is like half of what the wages are for some of those players on city you know and since then i guess they thought well we got away with it once we're going allegedly they started getting sponsors in quotes and sponsorship money right and I think in the last year or so, uh, in the last year, it came out, you know, when they do the Reuters, like which franchises, which sports teams are, um, you know, how much revenue they're generating. Surprise, surprise, somehow City ended up in first place uh, with no actual sponsors per se. And deep down in like in the investigations that they've been doing in the F.A., um, which apparently has been building for years now, and you know, in some seasons, uh, some of these companies aren't really companies. You know, they're you know the addresses are like PO boxes in like London or you know somewhere this, in the UK. There's is no this what investors will call shell companies. Yeah, like essentially it, it is right. Like it, it's um it's a made up uh organization um company LLC whatever you want to call it with no uh, employees, right? Uh, there's 
if there's no employees and there's no products and there's no, they're not selling anything, then how are they generating revenue, right? Um, and I think like it finally got to the point, um, and I'm not sure, one of the things that I thought about this also was um, the news with Juventus and everything that happened with them, right? And how they Same pretty deal. much cooked the books. They cooked the, the books as yep. well. But said, yeah, I actually did do something about it. And they hit them with, uh, what was it, 15 points? Negative, yeah, negative 15 points. Yeah, yeah so negative 15 points. Essentially taking them, what were they, they were in like third third place, right? Yeah, they were third uh, place and, and, the, and, and now they're right what? Now they're 12th, I think. Exactly. Or something um, like that. And I'm not sure if it's just all this talk about, you know, financial doping and sports washing. And we saw it with Chelsea last year where, you know, it was unprecedented with the government getting involved in the sale and essentially forcing uh, Abramovich to sell Chelsea Football Club and then vetting all of the, you know, all of the teams or all of the owners, potential owners. Um, we saw the uproar when Newcastle was bought by state-owned, right, like, group as well, which they claim is separate. There's nothing there. Um, you know, the finances are in order. But um, honestly, if there's one thing that has taught us is there's no, there's just no way, there's no clean money out there. Let's be honest. Like, these folks and these ownership groups get so rich, but nothing is, like, if you start digging, you're going to find something essentially. Right. Right. And I think with sure. city, I think it was getting to the point where it was getting so egregious, like the level of success with what they had spent that I think this is now the reason that this is coming to light now. And Justin made a good point as well. Maybe the government saw what happened with like this whole sports washing and how it's come to light. And it's a more, it's a hot topic, um, you know, especially in the last year, year and a half. Uh, Justin, do you want to kind of inform us on the, um, you were saying there was going to be a government designated group to kind of maintain control or status quo of like finances and spending in the EPL and they kind of uh, don't want that. Yeah, there's been a lot of um, public comment and just like rumors that the UK government may be interested in setting up a independent government body, a, um, a standing sports fairness commission, if you will. And I think that is, you could potentially tie that to the Premier League's decision to make this announcement of these, uh, these charges at this point, because obviously the Premier League, the powers that be would have no interest in a different body coming in and starting to regulate their their sport and their domain if you will so they're probably trying to i mean this investigation has been going on for a while obviously they have a list of 100 charges um and we presume a lot of evidence they've already said let's bring it to a um an arbiter to to take a, to review these charges we'll state our case man city will state theirs and then we'll see what happens so um they've obviously already done their homework but the, in terms of the timing of the announcement, I wonder if there is any relation to um, trying to head head off the the UK government's plans so that the EPL can continue to control their own affairs. And um, one other thing to add, I know we've talked about it uh, before the the show today. Serie A has already done this. I mean, Juventus is like repeat offenders. 
you know, yeah. there was a Calciopoli. This happened to them, you know, like 20, 25 years ago. Um, and they got relegated, right? But they didn't get relegated directly as a result. They actually got points deductions and then they couldn't recover and ended up getting relegated that way. This is unprecedented for the Premier League, right? Um, that's never happened. Nothing like this has ever happened. So um, it's interesting to see what the outcome would be because, you know, is it going to be points deductions this season? Is it going to be, um, you know, them getting their championships stripped away, which then would, I mean, completely change the landscape of uh, the English Premier League, like footballing history? Because then you would have, you know, Liverpool winning like two or three, Manchester United winning two or three as well, um, championships. You know, it would change like the history. Um, that would be your, crazy. Your I mean, boy, you your, your your favorite, your favorite uh, coach Mourinho would actually end up with one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he would end up with a with a championship. So, um, again, you know, we'll see how it goes. I don't, I I don't see them doing anything impacting this season i think if anything it would be like going forward like i could see easily like a transfer ban or something along those lines but then you're missing one thing that we're overlooking is what happens to guardiola you know if guardiola walks what happens to his city he 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 did mention I don't know where I was watching it or or listening to it but he did mention that if because he asked when this was an initial thing uh, a few years ago and he said oh it's nothing to worry about like it's just a whatever issue um, and he said like if he was lied to then that would not feel good so hey you know what Milan's not doing well I'll take Guardiola right now um, we don't have the money to to serve him but. Uh, he could probably transform Leao into a world class, um, but but uh, thank you thank you Manny for for just sort of just describing that. Um, I think it's clear that I think you know going back. I, I know Justin I was going to ask you about what you, what your thoughts is going forward at the end of the season with Arsenal. I feel that this off the pitch antics may actually affect. City, um, and they could win, uh, and and Arsenal. That means that Arsenal could have an easy win. Uh, but curious to get your thoughts quickly, Justin, just to understand, uh, you know, what your feeling is for who's gonna win the EPL at the end of the season. Do you have, and maybe you could tell me a percentage, uh, what the percentage chance for for Arsenal to win it versus City. So it doesn't bode well for City. This is also a pile on to, I think, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but, you know, we haven't even talked about the Jao Cancelo uh, sudden departure. Oh, yeah. There's, I, I, you know, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. I think there's there's trouble in paradise inside Pep's uh, locker room, perhaps. And, that, and this is all stuff that I think has been percolating prior to the the new the, the you know the revelations about the EPL bringing these charges against the club this past week so I think you know it it doesn't bode well for them right it's a, it's a pile on it's it they're they're throwing um, more issues at the club to deal with that is off the pitch kind of related 
Um, but that being said, I just cannot, <laughs> I just cannot put Arsenal's chances above 50% until we get to like April. <laughs> Like, I just can't. All right. I just can't. Right. I, I I refuse to. I refuse to. This so let's a, say it's 50 50 right a, now. This is Good a man. real Arsenal fan, a, a realistic yeah. one. This is a realistic this one, is... not the ones that, that you see on social media that have been claiming the championship no, no. since since uh, Christmas. So yeah, I respect this is, that. Yeah. This is uh, coming on like, yeah, almost n- two decades worth of, of trauma. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, 10 plus <laughs> years worth of trauma. So I'm, I'm not going to say it's a sure thing. I'm not going to say we have it in the bag until, like I said, at least April. Yeah. I mean, to be to be fair also, Arsenal still has to go and play uh, some of the top six teams in this current well, moment. they've done pretty I'm, well. I'm talking about. They have City yeah. twice. That's the big one, right? City twice. That's going to be the big determiner. Is that's a potential six-point flip going either direction? It, exactly. And if you don't think that Pep's going to be up for it after he finds out that Arteta was a whistleblower in this whole investigation, then you have you're completely wrong, my friend. You have, you have some many so. Nah, it was Cancelo. One Cancelo, no, Cancelo was the one that caused all of this. Um, all right, let, let's talk about the last team here, and that's Chelsea. Uh, you know, obviously. The the news out there is just like raging about how the EPL can spend this much amount of money. I think Chelsea alone uh, was was accountable for more than half of the spending in this transfer in this transfer window, and and Chelsea spent more than uh, theoretically they spent more than um, all the other top five leagues combined uh, in this window. So I think. One, one thing I'd like to say, of course, we all are mad about this, uh, but also I think we should also be uh, upfront about how things work, especially with when, you know the the magic they call amortization, which means that you know you don't pay the 106 million for Enzo Fernandez right away. You pay you break it into what eight, I think it was like eight years or something like that. I was like, oh my gosh, it's actually eight years four installments. For, for, okay, yeah. So so it's broken up, and I think it comes down to like 12, 12 million every year. But still, it's still a lot of money that's spread across all of those new players that were that were bought. So, um, I'm not gonna ask you, Manny, this question, but uh, ask Justin, how, just how how are you feeling as an EPL fan when you hear this? Um, because, I mean, yeah, Chelsea right now, what? Are they like seventh or some something like that or eighth? Um, how are you feeling? Oh, nine. Okay, sorry. Uh, ninth. Um, how are you feeling just about this news about them spending and then you having to pick up the choice E or F, like Manny had mentioned earlier? I mean, we'll see how it turns out for Chelsea. I don't know. Right? It's a. It is a gamble. Yeah. There's a lot of players here. So my understanding is that a lot of these players that they're signing, that's a lot of young players. They're trying to do the speed run version of building a, a team that's full of young prospects from scratch. They just like, let's just get them all. Uh, and at least some of them will, will pan out. And so my understanding is that like a lot of these players are being signed to pretty, you know, reasonable contracts with a lot of incentives attached. And I would say, Manny, I would hope 
definitely hope that there's no situation where some of these players are signing on for, you know, very manageable contracts along with some, let's say, uh, off the books types payments because that's what's gone and in, in, in Man City. I don't think I don't think that's what's going on. But and Juve, Juve actually too. Yeah, exactly, same thing, right? So you don't need to be a state-owned club for there to be some. Uh, inventive ways to get funnel money and benefits to your players that are not part of your, that are not on your wage sheet. Um, but anyways, how I feel about the overall situation, Bori, is I, I'm i disappointed in it insofar that it means that the doomsday clock ticked a few minutes closer to midnight on the Super League. And I think that's that's the end result of all this stuff. It's not just Chelsea. Chelsea Chelsea is just like so easy to be the poster boy for all this stuff. But like it's the EPL as a whole is can just now, like you said, Chelsea's like mid table side currently. They they won't be for long, but they are currently. And there are other mid table sides that can just, you know, blow the top European clubs out of the water in terms of financial power. They can just, they can go and buy players that in the past, you know, a Barcelona, or Juventus or Bayern or like, you know, someone could buy the top clubs in Europe are not able to get these players, but mid table sides in the EPL can. And there's only one destination for that situation. And it is uh, eventually the other clubs in Europe are going to band together and form a super league. And so that's, that's what I'm afraid of is that's where we're headed because of this radical overspending in these, these past couple Mm -hmm. of windows. So, so are you suggesting that there needs to be a, a cap on things? Um, I think UEFA is scrambling. I think UEFA actually also sees this danger, and that's why they're scrambling to like eliminate um, long-term uh, contracts. I think the way they they want, they want like cap contract lengths at like five years or something like that, right? As a result of what Chelsea has started to do, um, UEFA is like. Literally, like, and that's like, that's like such a, that's such a clear cut, like, whack a mole solution, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. literally just saying, like, oh, this thing that Chelsea has just done, we have to, like, whack, eliminate that because UEFA is the last, the last organization in the world that wants the Super League to form. So they're going to do everything they can to try and keep the big clubs in Europe happy as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, sounds good. I, um, I, I'm, I'm sharing this, my screen, uh, by the way. For people listening, Swiss Ramble on Twitter, everything football finance, just look that person up. Uh, very, very great. Um, so from what I'm seeing here, and from the purchases that um, that Chelsea has made in this season, and and with, this was actually no, I think over two seasons because they're still paying. I think this is taking into account. No, no, actually this is taking into account just this season. Uh, it looks this like is- they're paying. <laughs> their amortization, which is the broken down fee, they're paying 103 million for every player, every for all the players together. So we're talking about Cucurella, Fofana, Kulibaly. I, I mean, money. I'm I, I'm sharing my screen with you just to show you the absurdity of this. Yes, I know it's amortized. I know it's not immediate. But look at these players. You can't tell me this is not crazy, right? Like like you as a Chelsea Chelsea fan. You have to admit that this is crazy. I don't. And you know why? Okay. Because why? And and you know, because a year ago, all you guys, all of the other fans were saying that Chelsea wasn't even going to exist. They were about to be dissolved. That 
we were going to go into administration. We would never make it back. Oh, and you know what? Surprise, surprise. You might have killed the man, but you didn't kill the idea, okay? <laughs> and Todd Bowley is up here. Todd Bowley is up here, all right, playing FIFA manager. And I know that if this were your respective owners and your uh, ownership group, you guys would, I would hate be. It. I would hate it. No, you wouldn't. Okay. You're I, saying what? Right I, I take pride. Who's, no, no, no. No, no. Who's no. Mr. Process no, himself? That's, I take pride in the way that Arsenal has built their squad. But like with strategic buys and promoting from the academy. But good, please go you off. Go off. This is your this is your you platform. Guys, go off. No, no, no. But I'm saying, here's the thing. It is a gamble, right? You're you're right. It is a gamble, and these long like contracts are a gamble. But anytime that you go and purchase a player, it's a gamble. It's re- like it's part of the business. It's part yeah, of the sport. Anytime you million. Per- it's not 103 million yes. a year in amortization for one year, a one year transfer. Yes, it's not but here's that the thing. Yes, but here's the thing: you guys are forgetting that Chelsea. All Chelsea has done is bought. They haven't sold any players yet, right? So if you keep reading on Swiss Ramble, which I like Swiss Ramble, like they're very like stats and numbers. If you keep reading through this, and you'll see that, for example, if Chelsea has sold one Connor Gallagher, this this transfer window if they had sold one trans uh one connor gallagher or a mason mount or you know any of those homegrown players which chelsea has a lot of homegrown players which is part of their loan system in the loan army who comes back the loan army there's a lot of player sales that are going to happen in the summer right they're going to be clearing out so therefore Amortization, the player wages, all of this stuff is gonna go down. And in well, the books, it wouldn't go down. It wouldn't. Well, but well, in mean, the books, they're, they're not gonna sell these players unless they would right. open an investigation. But you're saying for the other players that no, are, no, they're gonna sell some of these players. I mean, Pierre, but for Aubameyang, who's Aubameyang buying? Aubameyang who's, is, buying, who's buying Aubameyang? That's uh, not a MLS club. And what's, what would be a fair fee? What would be the fee that you'd be looking for? Well, I mean, they paid 10, what was it, 10 million for him? Or how much did they pay for him? No, I think it has to be more than that because, um, I think Aubameyang was like 12, was 12 million euro. Um, I'm sure they could get like 10 out of LAFC. I mean, uh, Gareth Bale went for okay. like, hey, Manny, you sound like a negotiator for, for Chelsea. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is you are you gonna is, be okay yes. with okay, go ahead. Go ahead. What I'm saying is the gamble is there also because a lot of these players, if you look at it, I wish they would put the age of these players. These players can be registered in the system under the group list B in certain competitions because they're under 21, 22, right? So therefore, you could theoretically carry a squad that is "quote unquote" bloated of 23 plus, like 30 players, and you can interchange some of those players um, and registering them for like Champions League and other competitions, right? Um, they are trying to build, like Justin said, it is a gamble, but they're trying to build a young squad of players that are on weekly wages that are. I guess more reasonable than what the previous regime and administration had been given out. So players in the past, Lukaku. See, here's the thing: 
you guys are bringing up these players that weren't even signed under Todd Bowley. They were signed under Roman Abramovich, right? Lukaku well, not was these, Abramovich. None of these players you've seen. I, I th- it wasn't for final no. under. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying, like, the players that are high wages right now, oh, those oh, are Roman okay. Abramovich. The Deadwoods, if you will, were mostly Roman Abramovich. Those players were guaranteed to make X amount of money for a shorter amount of time, whereas with Todd Bowley, it's a shorter, it's less money for a longer amount of time, but it's also incentive-based and driven. So a lot of this is if they can win Premier League, Champions League, qualification, Champions League, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. I think they're more incentivized. They're trying to change the way that the club was doing business because you're right, Roman Abramovich was, it was his money. Right. He didn't answer. He could pump out whatever he wanted to. He could take it out of his pocket. He could move from his right pocket to his left pocket. Mm. It's his money. Well, it was his money. Huh? It was his money. So they okay. can't do that anymore. And I think that's what they're trying to change is the culture um, that, you're, you know, you're no longer going to get away with earning all these wages, Lukaku, for not doing, you know, um, <laughs> not having an incentive there. Like, let's be honest. But the thing is, it's going to take a long time and people can criticize Chelsea all they want right now for breaking the, you know, the British uh, transfer record. It it won't matter because you know what? Come this summer in three months time, someone, a Jude Bellingham, a Declan Rice. uh, uh, Who else? Who else is the next hottest prospect out there? Someone is going to break that record. Right. And it's going to keep going because the EPL is not going to get Chelsea. Chelsea will break. Chelsea will break the record. <laughs> we might. Hey, so one thing to note. One thing to note. We'll on Arsenal, Arsenal will spend. Arsenal will spend all of June and July pursuing Declan Rice, and then Chelsea will buy him for like 150 million or something like that. To be and honest that. with you, you I, I really don't think we need Declan Rice as a Chelsea fan. As a, I, I don't think he's the type of player we need, but. If Arsenal are in for him, then we certainly are too, because that's just the way things go. Um, what I'm saying is, so, well, to cap to it be off, fair, to be, yeah, everybody yeah. can say whatever they want. They can criticize Chelsea's spending and well, say, oh, how are you going to pay exorbitant fees like this? But the truth of the matter is that there's going to be, come the next transfer window, there's going to be another player who's going to have a higher release clause, who's going to go to another like top six club, Right, it could be a Manchester United, it could be an Arsenal. You never know. It could be a Newcastle. It could be, you know, whoever it is. It's not Liverpool because they're broke, but um, anybody else, they'll go well, ahead. Well, it's not. And it's not City either because they're on the on the investigation. But oh, they could quick, be banned. True. Real quick, Manny. One thing I did read though is that given the current sales and you know taking all the uh, amortization into account uh, and wages and all that. Um, uh, Chelsea are now at 104% uh, from their revenue. So, like, they're making revenue of 517 million. The operation, the things that they have to pay, is 539 million. So, I mean, I know you're saying that they're going to move things in 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 the summer, but to me, it still feels really tight. Um, unless you sell those players that you just brought in in the in January, which I don't or this year, which I don't see happening. Maybe Fofana, I don't even know if anyone will get Fofana, but like, to me, things are seem, looking really tight. And then and then what's weird, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want 
it's not a rumor or anything like that. But what's weird is we're talking about an American owner that has no idea about, like, let, let's be honest, but Todd Bailey knows nothing about this game until until when he bought Chelsea. At least it seems that way. Um, and then he had all these private equity firms, which, you know, they're all profit-based. You know, they, they want to make money. Like, things are not just not making sense. And it seems like they're banking on this potential of, oh, yeah, we're going to sell players. So that's my only issue with this whole thing. I Obviously, yes, I know people are conflating it. And I understand, yes, they're breaking records, which is fair. But at the same time, from the financial, raw financial perspective, perspective it's not making sense and i don't get i just don't get it uh and i don't i also from a tactical like even football football uh, like why do they need all these players let me ask you this boring how many of the how many of the how makes perfect sense it makes perfect sense if you know that todd bully from a starting point todd bully needs to fill um all the squad roles in his 443 system then you need a lot of players obviously you need to sign a lot of players in order to fill all those positions on the field (laughs) <laughs> okay, can you answer me this. Can you get can answer me this question? How many of the owners that have come in to purchase uh, American owners have had any experience with soccer, football? Right? Not many. You're talking about no, the Glazers. You're talking about the Crankies, the Crankies, uh, the Glazers, um, the 49ers ownership group that uh, that is taking over Leeds United, which is part of the reason why they fired Jesse Marsh is because Leeds United has to qualify they cannot get relegated or else their ownership group does not take over completely um that's something that just came to light after jesse marsh got fired was that that is a big reason because they can't afford not to be in the premier league next year right so there's a lot of things right what i'm trying to get at is they these owners very few of them like actually know the ins and the outs of it right Bowley came in and i can say that before the last summer transfer window i think it was more scattergunned uh kalidu kulibali uh raheem sterling i think like that was more of a scattergun approach where you could say like top doesn't know what he's doing and i would have said i agree with you chasing rafinha signing obama yang um chasing kunde but I think now what you're saying is the players are young players, right? There are certain profile of players with exponential uh, um, promise. And, uh, and I think, again, we can criticize Chelsea or we won't right now. But the truth of the matter is we really won't know if this pays off or not for another like three or four years, right? Like, sure. like that's, that's honestly what's going to happen because there's no way to judge how this is going to turn out. And if sure. they go on this long run of like, oh, wow, like they're actually successful, there could be a point where other clubs are will mimic what Chelsea did with the long contracts, you know, unless UEFA comes in and tries to do something and tries to nip it in the bud. But then again, that would just open the door even wider to a Super League. Yeah. I think Todd Bully would be perfectly happy for there to be a Super League. And if I was going to go totally conspiracy, oh, conspiracy yeah, theory, I would think that well, he's I mean, trying to hasten the approach of a Super League. I would, would say be, that, yeah, I would say that, I mean, let's be honest, any big club, would any of the top four clubs in each of the leagues would be happy to join. Because 
you're necessary. You, it doesn't matter how you do in the league. You're always going to be guaranteed this massive payday with the best clubs, right? I mean, do you think that goalie and and uh, what's his name uh, from uh, Barcelona that had dinner? Um, his name Laporta. 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 Yeah. Do you think Do you think they were discussing um, Rafinha? Hell no. Let's be honest. They were talking about like, hey, listen, I know you're new to the game. Here's what I'm proposing. What do you think about this? And do you think anybody, any of these owners where, let's be honest, they care about winning, but the main thing is to generate revenue and make money, who care about, okay, well, let's just create our own league and do our own thing. And we can run it and we can do whatever we want. That's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And I'll be, I'll, and I'll, and I can guarantee you that the American owners that own AC Milan, that own your club, and the American owners that own your club, Justin, are in on the same boat. So, of course, it makes sense. Uh, but we're not spending, you know, hundreds of millions in in amortization. <laughs> So, but anyways, I, I think this has been great. Thank you so much. I, I know Manny, we sort of put you on the spot there, but you know, when I'll take you it. come in to the it. call with flaunting all your money at us, you know, we gotta, we gotta put you on the spot somehow. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Um, we are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Google Podcasts. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.